10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald, and thank you so very much for deciding to join me once again. Before I get into the meat of today's show, um, I have an announcement to make that I'm excited about and he's excited about. You guys remember Chris Blakeman from last week, and he's actually been on the show a couple of other times as well. Um, Chris has finally decided to start his own podcast, which I'm really excited about. You know, I've been twisting his arm for a while, and he's been mulling it over himself for a while. And he finally decided to uh, give it a shot. He jumped on the horse last night, um, and I had the opportunity to listen to his first show. And I was so impressed. And I I don't just say that because Chris is a friend of mine. Um, He talked about a lot of the same subjects that many people are talking about right now, including myself. But he came at them from a totally different perspective. You know, he opened my eyes to some uh, points that I've been missing about some uh, issues that are very pertinent right now. And Chris tends to do that. You know, when you listen to him on the show, he says things that other people aren't saying. And I think that's so important. You know, when you have a constitutional conservative perspective, to share that, especially if you're coming at it from a different point than even, say, a Mark Levin, who looks at himself as a constitutional conservative, and for, for the most part he is. Um, but Chris is a, is a brilliant person. Uh, I think his show is going to be equally brilliant, um, as long as he'll avoid having people like me on there. He actually adds something to my show. I don't want to detract from his. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, I was, I was very impressed with the product that he put out, you know, especially for the first time. It sounded like he'd been doing it for 15 years. Um, if you get a chance, please do check it out. His favorite founder is Ben Franklin, and so he named his podcast Ben Speaks. Don't give him a hard time because his taste in founders isn't as good as mine. You know, of course, Thomas Jefferson is beyond reproach and the greatest of all time. Franklin was okay. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, it's a good show. Chris is a good guy, and uh, I think you'll be very impressed with what he has to offer. Um, also, of course, as this is being recorded today, uh, tomorrow is the 19th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, and it's so hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that that was 19 years ago, and I was 27 years old. Um it just still seems like it was, you know, five, six, eight years ago. You know, it doesn't seem like 19 at all. And just like all of you, I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what I was doing when I got the news. I mean, it's it's one of those things that's seared into your memory and always will be. You know, I, I remember my dad talking to me about uh, when John F. Kennedy was shot. And that's what he said. You know, he'll he'll never forget where he was, exactly what he was doing. You know, and there have been a number of those times in our history. You know, unfortunately, it seems like most of those are bad. I don't know if there's something psychological about the human race where um, negative events are more ingrained in us, I suppose, than 
positive events. Now, you know, people a little older than me can look at Neil Armstrong taking the first step on the moon. You know, anyone that witnessed that can tell you exactly where they were, who they were with, what they were doing. Um, but it does seem like most of the time, whenever we remember something that vividly and that clearly from that long ago, uh, it's generally not a good thing. But we will try to find some peace and we'll try to find a ray of hope, as I think we all try to do every year. Uh, on the anniversary. It's difficult for all of us. I think it always will be. 9-11 um, was our Pearl Harbor, you know, and, and there's, no, there's no two ways about that. The key difference being, of course, that, and not to excuse it in any way whatsoever, at least Pearl Harbor was a military target. And you can certainly look at the Pentagon and say that, and that's accurate. Um, but I think what made it especially difficult for me and for most of us is the fact that, you know, these were our fellow American citizens that were being attacked for the mortal sin of going to work, you know. Um, not that those gentlemen in Hawaii deserved to die. Absolutely, they did not. Um, and there were a lot of things that played into that that, you know, maybe that could have been prevented. Maybe 9-11 was the same way. You know, there's tons of conspiracy theories out there. I don't think we'll ever know the truth in either case, really. I, I don't think we ever do get the truth on a lot of these, these major disasters and these major attacks. And I think there is a reason that we don't. I don't think that's coincidence at all. But, and we got a number of other things that I'm going to take a look at this week. Um, you guys know very well when you're here in the Treehouse of Liberty, you don't have to take your shoes off to put your feet up on the furniture. Kick back, relax, let's get to work. Are you like me? Are you absolutely fed up with all of the BLM tributes at sporting events? This stuff is getting so colossally old I can hardly put it into words. My girlfriend and I were watching TV last night, and I can't remember, I think it might have been America's Got Talent that came on first. And then it was followed by this NFL special starring Queen Latifah, who I still haven't figured out what she's good at or why she's popular. Um, you know, talking about what a hero Colin Kaepernick is and showing videos of him kneeling on the sidelines during the National Anthem and, you know, how he started this whole great movement. And I don't know if he's responsible for starting the whole great Black Lives Matter terrorist movement or just the kneeling down and acting like an idiot movement. Um, but, yeah, she, she presented him. The NFL, by extension, presented him as a hero, which I guess once they got bitch-slapped with a massive lawsuit and had to pay Kaepernick off, you know, all of a sudden, you know, their, their tone changed a little bit. Isn't it funny how that happens? You know, and the same thing happened to Dan Snyder. He said the name of the Redskins would never change. Well, as soon as the sponsors started pulling out, and he stood to lose about a half billion dollars, you know, he changed his mind too. Absolute shocker. Money talks and bullcrap walks. You guys know that. Um, but enough already. You know, they're, they're going to have slogans in the end zone, you know, basically about how racist I am all season, and they're going to play the Black National Anthem before each team's first game, and... You know, we're going to be hit in the face with this drivel every time, every time we sit down to try and enjoy our team, which I can't even enjoy my team. You know, my team with the illustrious name now, football team, 
yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped about football team this year, let me tell you. You know, as if not having a halfway decent team for the last 20-plus years hasn't been insulting enough. You know, now we get the generic football team and the old uh, numbers put on the side of the helmet like they're a college team. Now, of course, most college teams would probably beat football team at this point, but that's beside the point. I, I just, I am so sick of my downtime being clouded by people telling me what a racist I am and how heroic these people taking a stand are. You know, they're not heroes. You know who was a hero? Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That was a hero who faced real oppression, who faced real societal systemic racism and stood in the face of it peacefully. And these people out there burning our cities down, looting stores, shooting people, you know, torching the country, you, can, you will never convince me that any part of this was heroic. And I promise you that one of two things is either going to happen. You know, we are going to be the victors that write the history books or I'm going to be dead. Those are the only two options. These people are not going to win. They're not. As I've told you on the show before, if you're my age or younger, and I'm 46, the only legal discrimination you have known in your entire lifetime in the United States is affirmative action. That's the only one. It's not up for debate. It's unequivocal fact. And affirmative action benefits everybody that doesn't look like me. You know, show me where the systemic racism is. Show me how not only providing every opportunity that I have, but special opportunities because you don't look like me is discrimination against you. It's not. It never has been. It never will be. And in the course of my lifetime, like I said, that is the only legal discrimination that has ever taken place in this country. Ever. And I understand. You know, there are those rare incidents where, you know, God forbid... A white police officer does take a black man's life unjustly. It is incredibly rare when it happens. And thank God for that. I wish it was zero. And it should be zero. And we need to correct that. We need to do what we need to do to provide the proper training, to provide the proper resources, to make sure that the few bad apples that we have get weeded out and the good ones that we do have are less likely to make mistakes. They're still human beings. They're not robots. Mistakes are going to be made, as tragic as that is. And if I lost a close friend or family member, you know, by law enforcement, just or unjust, yeah, I'm probably going to harbor some anger. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm right. And if it's a justified shoot, I'm not. And I'm sure as hell I'm not going to go out and burn my town down and burn my neighborhood down because the cop did what he was supposed to do. And I say it's rare. You know, as I've told you guys before, hands up, don't shoot, right? Mike Brown, you heard the story. CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, everywhere online. This poor tiny little black kid had his hands up when he was shot in the back for no reason by a white police officer. Nobody went back and told you, oh, by the way, Mike Brown was 6'4 and over 300 pounds. 
and was trying to steal Darren Wilson's weapon when he was shot and killed. That was a justified shoot. Mike Brown is dead, and I'm sorry to say this. I truly am. Mike Brown is dead because he deserves to be. If I have a deadly weapon in my possession and you try to steal it from me and I can kill you, good night. I mean, it just it gets so infuriating to me to realize and know the truth and accept the truth and understand that there is no opportunity whatsoever available to me that is not available to a black man, a black woman, a Hispanic man, a Hispanic woman, an Asian man, an Asian woman, a disabled person, what have you. There's no opportunity that I have that they don't. And thank God. That's the way it should be. That wasn't true when this country was founded. And it's shameful that it wasn't. And if you know anything about the backroom dealings in the First Continental Congress, you know that many of our founders, flounders, wow, Freudian slip, many of our founders were abolitionists themselves. They couldn't put that in the Constitution because the southern states wouldn't have signed. And if the southern states wouldn't have signed, we would have gotten our ass kicked by the Brits. Look at the cover photo for Chris's podcast, Join or Die. And that's what it was. We don't talk about the 363,000 overwhelmingly white men overwhelmingly 16 to 23 years old who laid their lives down at places like Antietam, places like Gettysburg, Bull Run. We don't talk about them, do we? We don't talk about the white people who gave their lives because they didn't think their life was as important as the freedom of the black man. And you're going to tell me white America is systemically racist? Get the hell out of here. But like I said, I wish there's so much going on in this country and in this world right now. We've got a global pandemic. We've got domestic terrorists all over the country causing havoc. We can't go to a freaking game of any kind. You know, can I please just sit down in my living room, in my safe space? You know, and can I, can I do something that I enjoy without being bitch-smacked constantly by falsehoods? Is that really too much to ask? Let me watch a football game and just care about football team. But it's, it's not just society. Did you ever notice that Democrats can't run for anything without lying about everything? You know, and a big example came up this week. You guys all, I'm sure, heard about Bob Woodward's book that's coming out that said Trump tried to minimize and downplay coronavirus when it first started. 
I'm sure my audience realizes this, and I'm sure a lot of the people that are up in arms about this don't. Um, but the president's words are extremely powerful. Not just because he or someday she is the most powerful human being on the planet, but because that person's words are considered to be so incredibly important and so indicative of what's going on. I mean, the president of the United States through intelligence briefings and everything else, is probably the most knowledgeable person on the planet about what is actually happening. And we've all seen it when a president has come out and said, man, you know, the, we're going to go through some economic difficulties right now. What happens to the stock market? It plunges. Why? There's no economic reason for it. It's because the president said things are going to be tough for a while. You know, you look at... The run on toilet paper, for God's sake, really, what is, what is it that makes toilet paper the most essential necessity of every possible disaster that ever happens? You know, I live in western Maryland. We get a decent amount of snow through the course of a year. We'll generally get one storm that will drop oh, two feet on us. Sometimes we'll get a little bit more. But it's like one of those big snowstorms is coming. And people run out and they buy every pack of toilet paper that's on the shelf. Now, being an area that knows how to handle snow for the most part, you know, even a two-foot, even a three-foot storm, you know, a day or two and we're cleaned up, everything's back to normal. But people still go buy toilet paper like they're not going to get out of their homes until spring. Um, but you saw the run on toilet paper without the president making a big deal about coronavirus. You know, can you get hand sanitizer now? I'm not sure. You know, I'm fortunate to work for an employer that, you know, has enough of a stock that I'm able to have access to it all the time. I don't know if you can buy it in stores anymore or not. Um, paper towels, same thing. You know, what is, what is the magical protection that paper towels are going to give you against coronavirus? Because I missed that one. Did Fauci talk about that or... I mean, it's, it's crazy. You see how people reacted without the president making a big deal of it. What if he had been the one, instead of Fauci, what if he had been the one to step to the podium and say, my God, we're going to have millions of Americans die from this? What would the reaction have been? Would it have been more calm than just buying toilet paper and paper towels and hand sanitizer? Or would have it added to the disaster we were already beginning to experience? You know, I, I frankly don't care what the president said at that time. I don't care at all. Because I know what the president did. And the president immediately enacted a ban against travel from China. Dr. Fauci at that time said it was unnecessary. Dr. Fauci now says it definitely saved lives. So what are we going to care about? Are we going to care about the fact that the president said something that didn't sound very good? 
Or are we going to care about the fact that there are X number of thousand fellow Americans that are still alive because he acted when nobody else wanted to? Seems pretty simple to me. What matters, words or actions? What matters, words or Americans that are still alive because of actions? You know, and Joe Biden is going back right now and trashing everything the president did, everything that he said. You know, he's saying that coronavirus was so much worse because Trump didn't panic. Now, this is coming from a complete degenerate who accomplished nothing in 47 years in Washington, D.C., including eight of those as vice presidents. And this man said when Trump enacted the travel ban that it was racist and xenophobic. Racist and xenophobic. He wouldn't have banned travel. He said back then he wouldn't have. Thousands of Americans would have died because of Joe Biden. Thank God he was not in office at the time. President Trump acted. And I make no bones about the fact that 150,000 plus Americans are dead. None whatsoever. That's 50 times 9-11, not to minimize that at all. 50 times 9-11. It's how many of our fellow Americans are gone because of coronavirus. But if you believe Dr. Fauci, and supposedly everybody on the left does, you have no choice but to believe that that number is not bigger because of what President Trump did. And it just, at some point, it gets ridiculous. Every four years, no matter what the evidence is or is not, the Republican candidate for president is called a racist. Without fail. Every election in my lifetime, going back to Reagan Mondale, 1980, Every election in my lifetime, the Republican, pre Republican candidate for president has been called a racist. I have come to have the opinion that people that call you racist are actually making an admission about themselves. You know, if I make a logical point based in fact and back it up with sources and somebody calls me a racist... What they're saying is, I don't have the mental capacity and capability to argue what you say, so I'm going to call you a name. That's it. They're admitting they're stupid. Now, in cases where people are actually racist, then by damn, let's condemn them. There's no place for that in a civilized society, which is what we strive to be. And most of the time achieve. But it's, it's gotten ridiculous. And look, Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a racist organization. And that's not a cop-out. I will make the logical argument. Well over 90% of the time when a black person is killed, it's by a person that looks just like them. 90 plus percent of the time. Black Lives Matter doesn't care about that. 
When was the last time you saw Black Lives Matter show up in Chicago, Chicago when 60 people had been shot in a weekend and 16 died? Virtually all of them black, if not all of them. Do they go? Do they show up? Do they show up when three-year-old adorable little Makai James was shot and killed in Chicago? Do they show up? Do they care? Does his life matter? To them. Not to me. To them. You cannot tell me that it does. You can't. The only time a black life matters to black lives matter is when it is taken by a Caucasian police officer. That's racist. Flat out, it's racist. Furthermore, BLM and the left in general tells us that, oh, you're white, so you can't understand race issues. Really? So what you're telling me is because of the color of my skin and everybody else that shares that skin color, I'm not capable of empathy. Really? Okay. Yeah, because that's not racist. How do they take it a step further? They tell us that white people are born racist. They tell us that white people are born with privilege. I've been to southern West Virginia. I have seen homes where people have to go outside to use the restroom. Yeah, they still have outhouses. They still don't have running water. They're white. Is that a privilege? Or is it a privilege, even if you don't work, to have an apartment that has running water, to have your food paid for? With taxpayer dollars, which overwhelmingly come from white people because we're the majority of the population. Who's getting the privilege? It's real damn difficult to make an argument that it's those people in southern West Virginia busting their ass to get by on their own. Real difficult. And America is systemically racist. That's probably my favorite. There is not a country in the history of planet Earth that has provided more opportunities to more different kinds of people than the United States of America. Period. Case closed. End of story. I welcome you to try to find an argument against that. There isn't one. That's systemic racism. Providing more opportunity to more people than any country in the history of the world is systemic racism. So what do you call countries that don't do that? You know, what kind of issues do they have? What do we call them? It's just insane, and I, I'm tired of being bombarded by it. You know, where there are legitimate issues, where there are legitimate problems, where there are legitimately bad people of any color, where are there are bad situations that we need to fix, let's fix them. I'm all for that. I want every American of every shade, every gender, every made-up gender, of every walk of life to succeed. When they succeed, so do I. So do you. 
so do all 330 million of us that have built the greatest economy in the history of the world. Our GDP is over $4 trillion. We produce over $4 trillion worth of goods and services, the 330 million of us. No country in world history has ever come close to that. The more we build up our brother and sister Americans, the more that's going to grow. The more that's going to grow, the more goods and services we have. I mean, it's just, it's simple logic. Which seems to be the most rare thing in this country right now. Simple logic. You know, put down the Molotov cocktails. Stop shooting police officers. Stop killing innocent people. Stop forcing folks to defend their businesses with firearms. I'm all about the Second Amendment, but I don't want to see that crap. I don't want to see anyone get shot. I don't want to see a black man get shot, a white man get shot, a green man get shot. I don't want to see combat in our streets. But by damn, if we let this terrorism go long enough. And that's what it is. The definition of terrorism being using violence to affect political change, which is precisely what BLM, Antifa, and the other leftist terrorist organizations are doing right now. The more that continues, the more likely we are to see American Civil War 2.0. You know, you're not going to get compliance from white America. And God, it bothers me to even say that. White America. You're not going to get compliance from any American with violence. You're not going to get compliance from any American with oppression. You are not going to get compliance from any American by depriving them of the pursuit of happiness. And I'm sorry, if your neighborhood's on fire, it's real freaking hard to pursue your happiness, is it not? Come to the table. Let's talk about it honestly. Let's talk about what's going on in your neighborhoods and why 15, 16, 18, 20 people that look like you are being killed by people that look like you every single weekend in Chicago. Let's start there. I'll talk to you about police reform. I know there are things that need to be reformed in police departments. I walked that walk for a while. I know there are bad cops that need to be removed. I saw some things that I don't care to discuss, to be perfectly honest with you. But care about it all. Care about Makai James. Care about the fact that his mother will never hear his voice again. Three years old. Shot by a black man. Black Lives Matter doesn't care. If we're going to be reasonable, if we're going to be rational, I'll talk to you all day long. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. If there are concessions I need to make, I'll make them. But I expect them from your side, too. No. If you're going to use violence then I can do this. I demand it from your side, too.
Ladies and gentlemen, as we head into the 19th observance of what we've mistakenly, in my opinion, called Patriot Day, I hope it'll be like what we've seen from Christmas Day in the middle of combat. You know, you think about Bella Wood and World War One and the battle coming to a stop to observe Christmas Day. And then, of course, as soon as midnight hit on December 26th, the battle started up again. I hope the domestic terrorists that are tearing our country apart will take a break for just one day. Honor the lives lost. Honor the firefighters, the police officers, the paramedics, the EMTs, the regular Joes, the regular Janes. All of the great Americans that laid their lives down that day. Including the passengers of Flight 93 that said, mm, yeah, no, we're not going to D.C. That's tough. That's tough. You know, it, this day never gets easier for any of us, and I'm not unique in that by any stretch of the imagination. One thing that I do want to point out as we observe this day is that 71 police officers were killed either in the trade centers or on the ground near the trade centers on 9-11-2001. 241 more have died as a result of ground zero illness. And it just disgusts me what the enemy did. You know, it's, it's almost unbearable. We watched the heart of our country ripped out live right in front of our eyes. The enemy was able to take away so many good Americans. 312 police officers are dead because of 9-11. 71 on the ground, 241 of ground zero illness. And it's pathetic that we have a candidate of a national party that calls those 312 men and women the enemy. And so that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I have been, as always, your host, Jason Fornwalt, and I promise you that someday soon we are going to talk about something positive. Maybe I'll do another induction into the uh, Treehouse of Liberty Hall of Heroes. That might be a good idea. I'll start kicking that around a little bit. But, ladies and gentlemen, you know I always love to hear from you. Positive feedback, negative feedback, your commentary, if you want to appear on the show. As I tell you all the time, this isn't my show, this is our show, and I mean that sincerely. If you want time, all you have to do is ask. You know, ask Chris, he'll tell you. Um, but please do that. Uh, it's very simple now, treehouseoflibertymedia at gmail.com, treehouseoflibertymedia at gmail.com. We still have the Treehouse of Liberty page on Facebook, and you can also still reach me on Twitter at treehouse1776. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me once again. I really do sincerely appreciate it. I hope that however you choose to observe 9-11 this week, that it will be meaningful for you. I hope that 
God will continue to look with favor upon us and help us to heal, not just from that, but from what's going on in this great nation right now. Again, thank you so much for being here. You guys take care. We'll talk soon.